Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. When you're a young child, Advent is a season of pure excitement. How many days till Christmas? Let's count them down. Dad, how many cookies can I have after Christmas dinner? I wonder what might be waiting for me under the tree when I get home this evening or tomorrow morning when I wake up. When will we get to Oma's house? But the older you get, the more the season fades away from excitement and becomes a time of making plans. What gifts am I going to give to my children? When are we going to see family? What will we eat? But as you know, plans can often be fickle things. They might seem certain at one time, and the next, they're all gone to pot. How many of our lives have gone according to plan? They often don't. God usually has something else in mind for us, and if you have doubts about that, just ask the young woman in today's gospel lesson. Mary is a woman who has just crossed the threshold from childhood to adulthood, and exciting things are beginning to happen in her life. A local carpenter takes notice of her, and suddenly she finds herself engaged to be married. Her plan is to live a quiet life as a devoted wife and mother. Then strange and exciting things begin to happen to other people in her family. An angel visits Zechariah, her cousin Elizabeth's husband. He's a priest. She is old, and by many she's considered to be barren. And now she discovers that she is with child. Who could ever have imagined old Elizabeth having a child? Life now becomes too strange to believe for Mary, All of her plans for the future are tossed on the scrap heap. The angel Gabriel shows up with an unbelievable message. Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Favored one? Mary hardly looked like a favored one. Certainly not more favored than the other young women who lived in Israel. Sure, She was a distant relative of King David. But what good was that to her now? She lived in a small, insignificant village, Nazareth. Well, those who know, well, they know. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? She was a poor young woman who didn't appear to have a lot going for her. Perhaps only she had a good man who wanted to marry her. And what of her plans now? The Lord has much bigger, better plans for Mary. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. 
Mary's son will be no ordinary boy. He will be the son of God. He will sit on the throne of King David, Israel's greatest king. But that throne isn't quite what we think. It will not be a regal seat of velvet and gold, but it will be a rugged Roman instrument of torture and death. And he will not so much sit there as he will hang there. On that throne, this son of Mary will fulfill all of God's promises and die for the sins of the world. Everyone who has ever lived and everyone who ever will, he died to take away your sins. Mary is quite understandably confused by the angel's message. How can this be, since I am a virgin? It's not an unreasonable thing to question. Virgins do not get pregnant and have babies. The angels answer, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. In Mary's womb, God's Son will take on human flesh. The Holy Spirit will put a baby there, but it will be no ordinary baby, but the Word made flesh. Martin Luther put it in his, puts it this way in his sermon on the Annunciation to Mary. He says, Today marks the day of our salvation, or the day our salvation began. As God's Son became man and the divine and human nature were united in one person. Today we celebrate this miracle, namely the bonding of God with man as the two natures, divine and human, are united never again to be separated. The Holy Spirit will put the word of God into Mary's womb. That word made flesh will grow into, in her womb into a baby until it is time for her to deliver the baby into the world. What interests me about this text is that after the angel leaves Mary, she is now pregnant and a remarkable thing has taken place. She has become the mother of God and in her womb resides the very Son of God. But if you had encountered Mary on the road that day, there's no way you would have been able to tell that such a remarkable change had taken place within her body. She was not at that moment, as Luke will later say, great with child. You would look at Mary and have no idea that the Son of God is in your presence. I wonder whether she even felt any different. Yet everything has changed for Mary, and for the world, and for you. This is often the way it goes with the Word of God. He gives us His Word, and we are loath to believe it. It appears so small and insignificant. It looks like nothing much great is happening. We would much rather see big things. We want the Word of God to be impressive. We wish it would exude power. That would drive away all doubts. But that's not the way it is with God and his word. Last week we had a baptism here at Trinity at the late service. 
a sweet little girl was baptized right over there. Everything changed for her, but there was no way to see it. She came into the church, a child of the devil, dead in her sin, but she left as God's daughter, clothed in perfect righteousness and an heir of eternal salvation. But I sat a couple of rows behind her, and I tell you, she didn't look that much different before or after the baptism, only perhaps a little redness in the face from the crying at the waters being poured over her head. From all outward appearance, she was just the same afterwards as she was before, yet the word of God was put upon her, and everything changed for her, changed forever. She was marked with the holy cross of Jesus Christ, to mark her as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. God gives us still more ways which appear small and insignificant. Ordinary men are sent into the midst of this congregation and thousands upon thousands more throughout the world with these words of absolution. In the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. But we doubt these words. The men who proclaim them look so ordinary. There is no mysterious voice from heaven sent to absolve you of your sins. And we reason, maybe if an angel came to declare these words, then, then we would be eager to believe. But a mere man? Simul Eustus et peccator, saint and sinner just like me? How? How can these things be? I have sinned so repeatedly and egregiously. Every time I promise, well, most of the time I promise to do better, and sometimes I really actually give it a try. But before long, I'm in the midst of the same sin over and over and over again. God gives us small words. He gives us even more. God in the flesh gives us his body to eat and his blood to drink, but it appears so small and insignificant. How can a bit of bread and a sip of wine do such a great thing? How can they forgive my sins and give me eternal life? Luther tells us in our catechism, certainly not just eating and drinking do these things, but the words written here given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. These words, along with the bodily eating and drinking, are the main thing in the sacrament. It is not the bread and wine alone, but the word of God, along with the bread and the wine, that does them. What is left for us to do then? We are constantly confronted with messages and words from God which are hard for us to believe. How does Mary respond? She finds herself facing an even more impossible message. The whole course of her life was changed in that moment. Nevertheless, in the midst of more questions than answers, what does she say? Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mary lets God's word have its way in her life. She does not resist the angel's message, but embraces it. 
as the Word of God continues to have its way in her life, it becomes more and more obvious that just what the angel said was true. Because in time, she was pregnant and remained a virgin, and as that baby grew and grew, it became more and more obvious. And as the Word made flesh grew outside of her womb, it became more and more obvious who he was. For nobody could preach or teach or heal like him. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we have much to learn from Mary. We submit ourselves to this same confession. We acknowledge that God is God and we are not. And his word is what defines reality. Not our own reason or senses or desires or wishes. He says it and it happens. When the angel Gabriel announced to Mary that she would conceive the Son of God, she became with child in that moment. When God says to you, I forgive you, you are forgiven. When he said to you at your baptism, this is my child whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. At that moment, you became and remain God's child, righteous and pleasing in his sight, and nobody can take that away from you. When our Lord Jesus says, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. That is exactly what he gives you. Do not doubt, but believe. Let the word of God have its way in your life. Well, dear friends in Christ, there are two things left for you to do. First, As St. Paul instructs the Colossian Christians, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, even as you are here now letting that word dwell in you. As you hear this word more and more, it will have its way in your life. And second, we say along with Mary, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord to life everlasting. Amen. Amen.